We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, this is Ian Happ from the Chicago Cubs. I'm excited to announce that my show, The Compound, is now part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Join me and my teammates, Dakota Meckis and Zach Short. This week, we welcome Cubs first baseman, World Series champion, Anthony Rizzo, to The Compound. Check it out. Subscribe. The Compound on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. On today's episode of the Pride Podcast, we have our Minnesota Vikings preview. And we also have a very special guest from Blue Wire, the host of the Purple Insiders Podcast, Matthew Collar. Stops by to talk about the Minnesota Vikings and also what to expect from the Minnesota Vikings this year. All on episode 105 of the Pride Podcast. Yo, what is going on guys? Welcome back to the Pride Podcast episode 105 on the Blue Wire Network. Today's episode is going to be sponsored by Bet Online AG and I am your host Tyler. Joined by my main guy, Pierre. We are not joined by Malcolm today. You know, he had some plans to do, which, you know, his wife was his birthday today. So he he had to take her on a little treat today. So happy birthday to Malcolm's wife, Jasmine. And, you know, we gave Malcolm the day off today, which is all good. And Pierre, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. It's finally getting warm out. It's getting nice out. That's great, dude. Oh. All right. And for today's episode, we're joined by another special guest. So last episode, if you guys want to check it out, we were joined by Tom Grossi. He kind of told us what the Packers did this offseason. He kind of updated us on everything, what the Packers were doing. A really funny episode, a great episode, so go check that out. But for today's episode, we are joined by a Minnesota Vikings person. We are joined by Matthew Collar. Man, how are you doing today? I am doing pretty well, man. I'm just sitting here like everybody else, waiting and counting down the days for training camp and thinking of what else there is to break down and talk about from this offseason. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So if you guys do want to check out his podcast, you want to go ahead and tell him what your podcast will be on. We'll actually be on his podcast 
I believe his next episode, or maybe the episode after that. <laughs> yeah, uh, on on Monday for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, Purple Insider. People can find it pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, whether you're an Apple or a Spotify person. And also, my website is purpleinsider.com. Uh, I'm going with the subscription model. I was in Sports Talk Radio for a long time, lost my gig with uh, COVID-19, and so I started my own project. And so far, it's going really well, and I really appreciate the support of Vikings fans. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. And he is actually a part of our Blue Wire Network as well, so that's awesome to get him in here. But let's get into the Minnesota Vikings. So, obviously, the Vikings, you know, had a great draft from a bunch of perspectives. You know, I personally loved the draft of the Minnesota Vikings. I, I believe Pierre was a big fan of the Minnesota Vikings fan, and I know Malcolm was a very big fan of the Minnesota Vikings draft. We hate to see it as us Lions fans, but I'm interested to hear your opinion. What do you think of this Minnesota Vikings draft? Well, I mean, I think that when you looked around the league and you saw lots of analysts giving them A's across the board or A's or B pluses, I mean, I, I had to agree with it. Normally, I, I look at these things with a journalistic eye and scrutinize them as close as I possibly can. But this was just hard to argue with. When you went into the draft of the Vikings, it was a guarantee that they had to come away with a receiver in an excellent wide receiver draft. So they would have lots of options had to come away with an offensive lineman, had to come away with a corner, considering that they pretty much lost their entire group of cornerbacks uh, this <laughs> offseason. And, and then they check those boxes off. And then anytime you get past the third round into the fourth round and beyond, you're just looking for project players or guys who had really high production that might not have the athletic gifts that you might be able to put in. And I mean, yeah, when you have 15 draft picks, you're going to land some of those guys almost no matter what. But I thought they made some really good picks. You know, Troy Dye is a guy that had great production in college. And a lot of analysts liked him a lot higher. Uh, Cameron Dantzler is another guy that I think could compete for a starting job. He ends up with a slow 40. But, you know, we know that sometimes guys just botch the NFL combine. Remember Orlando Brown? All yep. three of us could have had a better combine than him. But he's a, <laughs> a borderline star right tackle now in the league. So, the guy who drops because they didn't have a good combine but has great tape, great production at a high level in college, you grab one of those guys. And then when you get later on, you know, project players like Josh Metellus from Michigan, uh, Kenny Wilkies from uh, Michigan State, guys like that that, you know, played at a very high level but maybe are missing one tool, but you might be able to find someplace for them. K.J. Osborne from uh, Miami, a guy who might step in as a punt returner and a playmaker. You have a lot of poker chips there, basically, and if one hits, maybe that's the, the wrong um, metaphor. But, you know, you have a lot of, a lot of uh, opportunities there that if you're throwing, let's go with darts at the dartboard, one of them might become a bullseye. And this team, as you guys have seen, has come up with undrafted free agents, late picks who end up ultimately becoming really good players for them, you know, over the last few years under Mike Zimmer. Yeah, one of my favorite picks from your guys' class was the fourth round. It was James Lynch, defense tag out of Baylor. Yeah, I really like that pick. Um, you know, he had a big sack number from that three tech role in that defensive tackle spot. I was a huge fan of him and I was really salty to see that you guys out of all teams, maybe besides the Packers and Bears, got him. So uh um that one hurt a little bit, but uh, Pierre, what, what do you got for Map? Um, so I love Dantzler. Like, he was one of my favorite players. Tyler and Malcolm knew this, too. Um, then his 40 time kind of was like, oh, what, what's going on? But then you go back and watch tape, and he doesn't, like, really look slow on tape. So he plays faster than he ran. Um, and then Jeff Gladney was one of my favorite corners in this draft as well. I liked him a lot. Like, if we didn't take Okuda, I, I wanted Gladney in the second round. But you guys nailed the draft. 
Well, I think that the cornerback position is the most interesting here because right. I mean, how often do we ever see a team that's competing that has a possibility of having two rookie outside corners? But I think that yeah. that possibility is realistic here. And you mentioned Dantzler, the game that everybody brings up against Jamar Chase. I went back and watched that game uh, with LSU. And there's a couple plays where Jamar Chase is running full speed down the sideline and Cameron Dantzler is leg for leg with him. I'm sorry, that guy is not running a 4-6-40. Like, that's just not representative of how fast he plays actual football. And if you guys remember, another guy who botched the NFL Combine was Delvin Cook, and he's turned mm -hmm. out to be a star player in the NFL. I think he had, like, one of the worst vertical jumps or something like that, and it's just not football. And so I'm not saying throw the Combine out. That data matters. It matters a lot to the Minnesota Vikings. But when someone drops because of it, you get an opportunity on your hands. And I think Dantzler competing with – Mike Hughes, who was a first-round pick but has had injuries and might end up playing the slot corner. Holton Hill was an undrafted guy who showed some flashes in 2018 but had an eight-game suspension last year and didn't really get many opportunities on the field. So th there's this wide-open competition at that position that gives someone like Cameron Dantzler a chance. And I also want to follow up by saying uh, Lynch is going to have a chance, too, on, on the defensive line because last year they were rotating people in all the time at that three-technique looking for different pass rushers. And I think he's got an opportunity to potentially be one of those rotational players. So they drafted guys, and normally you don't expect this, in the third and fourth round who could be significant players on their defense right away. Definitely, definitely. I could see him kind of being kind of what we have right now in Detroit when we drafted Deshaun Hand in the fourth round a couple of years ago. You know, rotating as a three-tech and, you know, could play some end. I could see that kind of happening with James Lynch in Minnesota. I'm kind of intrigued to see how that works out there. Yeah, and they have you know other guys, too, that they've been developing. Last year, they drafted Armin Watts in the sixth round, somebody who had great production in Arkansas but just fell down the board and was under the radar for whatever reason. He comes out and plays in Week 17. I guarantee that you guys were not paying much attention to Vikings-Bears in Week 17 because no. you had other things uh, on your hands there in Week 17. In fact, I was watching the Lions game instead of the game that I was supposed to be covering uh, in the press box. But, you know, when I went back and watched the tape, Armin Watts was his first real opportunity to play a full game, and he was dominant against the Bears. So he's another guy that can rotate in. And, th and this is a very unique situation for the Vikings because over the last few years, they've had all the same guys on their defense every year. Right. In fact, in the playoff game against San Francisco, every player starting on defense was on the team in 2015. And in today's NFL, how often do you ever see that? So now the fact that we're talking about a different defensive end with Everson Griffin gone, three technique is going to be up in the air. Cornerback is up in the air. There are a lot of questions to be answered on this defense, but I think that they found a lot of players in the draft who could be the answers. I got you. So would you consider this a rebuild or a retool? What, what, what kind of word would you phrase this Minnesota Vikings offseason, I guess? Yeah, it's definitely a retool. And the, the swing man for that is Anthony Harris. If they had let Anthony Harris go and drafted a safety or traded him for you know, a third-round pick or something like that, then I would have looked at it much more like, okay, they're basically rebuilding this entire defense. But now when you look at the bones of the thing, even though there will be changes at corner that are pretty significant, right. uh, you're still talking about your two safeties are two of the best in the entire NFL, and they're going to be there. You're talking yeah. about Eric Hendricks, Anthony Barr, so your linebackers are set and Daniil Hunter is back, and even you replace uh, Linval Joseph with Michael Pierce. Yeah, you guys know all about Daniil Hunter. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, you're talking about a, <laughs> a, a, a very similar 
type of player, a very similar role. Limbaugh Joseph right. over the last couple of years was asked to pretty much just stop the run. Um, he really wasn't rushing the passer like he did in his prime in, say, like 2016 or 2017. So you bring in a fire hydrant type of player to just stick the middle like Michael Pierce. If they hadn't done those things with Harris and signed Michael Pierce to a $27 million deal, I would have said, OK, they're just blowing this whole thing up. They're throwing all the young players out there to the wolves to see what happens. But it really said to me that they still believe, especially with almost everybody except for Stefan Diggs coming back on offense, Gary Kubiak taking over as offensive coordinator on that side of the ball, that they still see themselves as the top a team in the NFC North or one of the top teams in the NFC North that they should be competing for that and they did not want to go into more of a rebuild mode. Definitely. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for your UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline have hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and even prop bets to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for your free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Uh, I have a question. So, um, so Harrison Smith, obviously Anthony Harris. Anthony Harris is due for a contract. We knew he's going to get paid. Probably one of the highest paid safeties up there, like fifteen mil, fourteen, fifteen. I'm guessing. And then you also had to pay Dalvin Cook. So, like, would you, if you were the GM, would you, like, if you had to pick between Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris, who would you pick? Because one of them, like, you only could pay one. I don't think you could pay both guys, right? Yeah, that's a really good question, and I actually think that. It's possible that they just let Anthony Harris play on the franchise tag and then let him go after this year. Um, but an extension wouldn't surprise me. The Vikings seem to always find ways to keep the guys they want right. to keep. I mean, once upon a time, we thought they were going to lose somebody between Kendricks and Hunter and Stephon Diggs and Anthony Barr. And they signed them all to contracts because they are really good at dealing with the salary cap and structuring those things out. So I wouldn't be surprised if they found a way to sign Anthony Harris to a deal that had very reasonable early cap hits that grew eventually to when we go to that 17-game season, that's when the, the cap hits start to peak and they can still fit those. But, you know, I, I think that I would still take Harrison Smith over Anthony Harris because even though he's older and there is a case to, say, trade him away, you could still get high value. He does so much for this defense. I mean, I I think if you're asking of the Zimmer era, the most valuable player over the Zimmer era when they've had so many great defenses, it's hands down Harrison Smith because he can cover on the outside in the slot. He can blitz. He can shut down the run. He can play deep. And he's so deceptive and so intelligent in the way that he does it. That's not to take away from Anthony Harris, who led the NFL in interceptions. But I think if you're asking which guy you can replace, is it a deep safety who can catch what comes his way? Or is it a guy who could play every facet? I mean, he could play linebacker and start there if you needed him to. He could play corner if you needed him to. I mean, those players are very hard to replace. That's a really good point. That's a great point, yeah. Harrison Smith always seems like the QB of that defense. That's what I like to call him. He's so smart. He's a great safety. Um, 
All right. So, like, obviously, going going into free agency, you guys traded Stefan Diggs. Um, you lost Limbaugh Joseph. You lost Everson Griffin. Lost Xavier Rhodes. Lost Trey Wayne. So, a little retool. What are your thoughts on their free agency? Yeah, there wasn't much of one. <laughs> I mean, really, uh, you know, Michael Pierce is the big signing. And then we thought, okay, well, they're going to fill out the roster with some older players who are still out there, maybe get a guard or something like that. They surprisingly cut Josh Klein, a move that yeah. I've always wondered if they were just going to bring him back. But, you know, Gary Kubiak today on a conference call alluded to losing Josh. So it doesn't sound like they're bringing him back. Um, and, you know, they really lost a lot more than they gained when it came to free agency. And right. I wonder if when things start to open up a little, there's going to be a bit of a frenzy to bring in guys. And the Vikings left just enough cap space so they could sign their rookie class, even sign Delvin Cook and still afford a, a veteran or two. And I believe they only have 87 out of the 90 spots filled. So if they want to add a couple of guys, I think they can still do it. But this was much more of an offseason to kind of get rid of those older contracts and players who had underperformed in those contracts for last year, Xavier Rhodes especially. But even Trey Waynes had been an average corner, and I think they always had higher expectations than that. Linball Joseph for a nose tackle. I mean, how many nose tackles in the NFL are making $10, 12 $14 million? I mean, you just don't not see that many. very right. much. It's not very cost-effective. And the Diggs thing is interesting because he will – you'll feel his cap hit like next year mostly. Like this year I think it created like $5 million in space, but next year it's a lot more than that. And that situation will be one of the most interesting to watch, how they're able to replace him, whether Justin Jefferson can step in right away because they did not go out and sign a veteran wide receiver of significance. I mean Tajay Sharp is to me just a guy – uh, yeah, yeah. who you know, might be a third or fourth wide receiver, but they did not go out and try to bring in any big-name wide receiver, and instead they're going with a rookie. And you know, in an offseason with a lot of uncertainty, it's going to be hard to say how Justin Jefferson can adapt right away to the NFL game. So you, you kind of alluded to the Vikings have some open roster spots out of that 90-man roster. You said they have about 87, I believe you said. So... You know, you mentioned they have some caps still. So us Lions fans, you know, we like to say we need another defensive tackle or another someone on the defensive line. So we bring up guys like Marcel Darius, uh, maybe bringing back Mike Daniel. So I'm interested to hear from a Vikings perspective. You kind of mentioned Josh Klein. Who are some names on the current market or maybe even the trade market potentially that you could see the Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings targeting? Yeah, I think the two positions that you really look at are offensive line and then maybe a veteran cornerback. The corner is an interesting spot for the Vikings, like we were talking about with the rookies. You think that they don't have a single player in the cornerback room that has over a thousand NFL snaps. I, mean, I can't wow. think of just crazy. I know, right? There, I don't know if there's another team. I mean, maybe Jacksonville has something like that, but there are very few teams and especially ones that are competing for their division yeah. that would rely on that inexperienced of a room. And, and Mike Hughes is a guy that you know, they still like as a first-round pick. He could play nickel corner for them if the other guys uh, with very little nickel experience like Gladney and Dantzler uh, play on the outside or Holton Hill plays on the outside. But I think you would love to have somebody um, come in and play nickel who's got some experience having done that before. The Vikings – once upon a time, brought in a very old Terrence Newman, and he was quite good for them and even moved yeah. to the nickel for a season, even though he had never played there before and was really good. Uh, so, you know, I think replacing that position might be something that requires a veteran. Uh, and along the offensive line, 
I know that Larry Warford is not talked about as a fit necessarily when it comes to scheme because he's not the most fleet of foot guy. I'm pretty sure you right. guys are faster than Larry Warford, but you know, when you look at also, I mean, if you go by PFF grade, he had a higher PFF grade than every Minnesota Viking offensive lineman last year. And at some point you have to allow Kirk cousins to drop straight back in the pocket without having his guard be thrown into it because the first two years of cousins in Minnesota has had a lot of that, especially mm-hmm. against the Packers and against the bears. But even last year, Mike Daniels absolutely dominated uh, that game. It was just that David Blau was Detroit's quarterback. But <laughs> had, had he not been though, we would have been talking about how Mike Daniels took over that game. So I still think that there is maybe an opportunity to sign somebody to play guard. Who's a veteran, but those are the two positions that I would look at most. All right, so we're mentioning the cornerback position, and we've mentioned a lot about the cornerback position because it seems like it's the biggest question on this Minnesota Vikings team right now. Obviously, a lot of unexperienced. You, you lost Rhodes, you lost Trey Waynes, and are you worried about this cornerback room? Like, are, like you think they need another guy, or would you be comfortable if they went out week one with Cam Dantzler, Jeff Glanny, and Mike Hughes? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't think you could be comfortable with that. Um, you know. Like Mike Zimmer deserves to believe in himself as a teacher of cornerbacks. He once coached Deion Sanders and Xavier Rhodes became one of the best corners in the league under him. And we've seen a lot of success from cornerbacks. And I think he got everything that was there out of Trey Waynes, even though he became an average corner instead of top notch. Uh, But, you know, you're asking a lot of these guys, someone like Rhodes took two or three years to become the corner that he was. And usually Zimmer has not thrown these guys right into the fire. They've drafted them a few years before. So Mackenzie Alexander, you know, he was drafted. He basically sits out his first entire season before getting an opportunity and is not a full-time player until his third year. So you have to be concerned. Also look at the quarterback schedule that the Vikings face. It is really, really tough. I mean, even if Ryan Tannehill isn't quite as good or Phillip Rivers is old Phillip Rivers and not, Uh, the good version, but the washed version from last year, you're still facing Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford. I mean, you've got a lot of guys who are really good. I think last year they caught some breaks with that. They played Brandon Allen when they went up against the Denver Broncos and still Brandon Allen had a pretty good day against them. Um, So, you know, I think that it's, it's cause for concern and it's reason to want to bring in a veteran. Even if that veteran just rotates in, I think it gives you some insurance of knowing someone will be an average player. And I'm surprised by the number of corners who are proven that are still out there in the market. That's why I think when these uh, facilities do open up, a lot of players will be flying all over the country to take physicals and things like that. I don't know. Has someone like uh, Prince of Makamura signed anywhere? I I don't know if he has yet. I don't believe uh, he signed with the Raiders, I think. Did he he sign somewhere? Well, um, you know, Drake Kirkpatrick. I, I don't I haven't checked to see if some of these guys have signed anywhere. But, you know, there have been uh, a bunch of corners who at least are proven to be average and have past histories that you can rely on as opposed to what they have now, which is just question marks all over the field. I got you. got you. There are some guys like Logan Ryan, Denard, Drake Kirkpatrick, uh, some other, like, lower-level guys. And kind of like Logan Ryan would be a really interesting one for the Vikings. I mean, he wanted a bunch of money. It's very clear that no one's going to pay him a bunch of money. So if you're the Vikings and you said, hey, how about a prove it deal? One year, come in with us. We are a great cornerback organization with our head coach. If you play really well under Mike Zimmer, then maybe you get the contract you want for next year because it's very clear nobody's giving that guy $10 million. Right. And I I definitely agree with that because, you know, it's – 
it's very rare we see a corner step in day one and succeed. You know, it, unless your name is like Jalen Ramsey or like I'm trying to think of top picks that corners. Lattimore, just, Lattimore did well as rookie. Yeah, Marshawn, so yeah, Marshawn Lattimore. But like I think Jeff Okuda could be one of those guys. But we've seen good corners in the league right now. Like Darius Slate, he was awful in 2013, and people were already calling him a bust in 2013. You know, yeah. it happens like all the time. You know, especially when you get a little later when because Vikings had some success last year, they picked a little later in the draft. So. You know, it, it is, you know, going to be tough to rely on guys like Dansler and like Glandy to step in day one and, you know, uh, produce right away. So um, definitely going to be interesting. All right. So uh, so obviously you guys drafted Alexander Madison last year. You have, I believe, Mike Boone, is it? And Amir Abdullah, right? So are you worried about the Dalvin Cook situation? Do you think they'll pay him? They'll trade him? They'll, they'll play the tag game with him? What do you think they'll do with Dalvin Cook? Well, you know, th- this situation is pretty dicey because right. both sides actually have a pretty good argument for where they stand. Uh, the Vikings have a pretty good case for not paying a running back because of recent running back history. Also, right. if the salary cap goes down next year, uh, do you really want to lock yourself into not a position that is super, super hard to replace for a lot of money? And you're also talking about a guy that has a significant injury history. Now, I think some of it has been bad luck. Last year, a, a really fat nose tackle fell on him and he hurt his shoulder. I mean, what are you going to do, right? That's not his fault. And neither is an, yeah. an ACL, which can happen to anybody. But you're still talking now every year in the NFL, there has been an injury. So I can understand why the Vikings would say, we can't make you the top paid running back in the NFL when we're taking on a lot of risk here. And at the same time, Delvin could say, you built your offense run first around Delvin Cook, and he makes a big difference in the screen game and short passing game to help out Kirk Cousins, who had last year his best quarterback rating of his career and a lot of throws going, you know, Delvin Cook's way. So, you know, I could see where there's a case for both. But the thing is that if Delvin Cook does not play for the Vikings this year because he's holding out with this contract thing, they have, like you mentioned, Alexander Madison and Mike Boone and who knows who else will cut, you know, come out of nowhere. Look at Gary Kubiak's history. It's not just the guys like the Mike Andersons and Tatum Bells that come out of nowhere, but it's also, think about his best two running backs ever, Arian Foster, Terrell Davis. You got an undrafted guy and a sixth round pick. Like he can't do it again, right? I mean, right. If, you're, if you're Kubiak, you've got to be pretty confident in your ability to design run games that can help out just about any running back who has a reasonable amount of talent. And I can tell you guys from watching last year, Alexander Madison's legit. Uh, I like him. Yes. He's powerful. He's got good vision. He can catch the ball in the backfield. I mean, he was often last year just sort of the pound away guy when they were way up and he still averaged 4.6 yards per attempt. So, you know, I think that uh, they will ultimately get something done, but from everything I've been told, they're pretty far apart right now in these negotiations. So the Vikings generally do find a way, like I said before, to keep their players. Uh, but this one is this was a tricky situation because I also think that the Vikings are a progressive organization that does pay a lot of attention, at least to the front office, to the analytics. And so they would be well aware of the risk that they're taking on if they're going to pour big money into a running back. Yeah, so let's play the GM card here. So if you were the GM of the Minnesota Vikings, hypothetically, would you invest into a running back like Delvin Cook and pay him the Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott money? Yeah, uh, I would not pay him that kind of money because I just don't think it's a it's a prudent move to do uh, when you're talking about that level of investment. For somebody who has not lined up as a wide receiver like Christian McCaffrey, I think I would for McCaffrey – 
but there are very few who can make that case. However, if you can work out something in the middle. So from what I've heard, the Vikings want to pay him under $10 million a year. He wants to be one of the highest paid in the league. Can you find some place in the middle that takes him through his prime, but no longer than that? And I mean, you guys have seen from the games against Detroit. He's legit. He is super dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I mean, he's the guy that every defensive coordinator starts their meeting the following week. You know, the, the week of the Vikings starts their meeting with how do we stop Delvin Cook? And I think there's right. a huge trickle down benefit to that, that opponents are terrified of that 75 yard touchdown run that he could break off at any time. So I think you're a better team with him. I think you have expectations to be a winning team still this year. So you don't want to lose Stefan Diggs and Delvin Cook in the same offseason and then expect the same results on offense. Uh, so, But I would also not want a long-term risk. You know, I wouldn't want a contract that took him into five years at age 30 or, or something like that. And I've got to have some sort of uh, protection or less money that I'm giving him because of the injury history. So, and I think that's ultimately where they end up landing. So if you told me that it was like a David Johnson type of deal, it's not super long-term, they spread the cap hit out, including this year and make it pretty reasonable, then yeah, I think I would want to find a way to keep Dalvin Cook. I got you. Okay. Now I want to flip sides who's not a Minnesota Viking anymore. And now he's actually currently a Detroit Lion, Jerron Curse. So, you know, us Lions fans don't know, too too much about Jerron Curse. You know, we see him out on the field mainly on special teams. So from a Minnesota perspective, what could Jerron Curse offer on the field from a defensive and a special teams perspective? Well, uh, Curse is an interesting guy because he had started to develop into this really interesting hybrid type of role where he was playing in the box as that linebacker slash safety where he was you know, quick enough and athletic enough to be a safety, but a good enough tackler and instinctual enough in the box to blitz and to stuff the run if you needed to. And he's one of those guys that a lot of teams are looking for for their base defenses because, you know, take the Vikings, for example, they're going to have two tight ends a lot on the field. But Herb Smith is more of a receiver than a tight end. So do you put out three linebackers? You don't want that because that's a mismatch. But you also don't want your nickel corner out there because Irv Smith will block you 20 yards back if, if you're <laughs> uh, you know, a cornerback. So you want to have these versatile hybrid type of players. And the Vikings drafted a few, I, I think, to try and potentially replace what they had seen as curse. Uh, but there's just with his relationship with Mike Zimmer, it just never seemed to be right. Like on the same page, uh, there were a lot of subtle tweet jabs from uh, Jaron Curse about you know his role and, and when they re-signed Andrew Sandejo to bring him back. I think uh, Curse tweeted, not this again, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know, and then he had an arrest last year as well, where he uh, had allegedly a, a gun and had um, broken some rule of the road. I forget exactly what it was, but uh, a DUI it might have been. And then there was a gun as well. So, you know, I think that that really um, put him in the doghouse that Zimmer in the past has taken those things into account when it has come to playing time with players if they've had off-field issues or they've been problematic otherwise. So I think that those two just didn't get along. And this is a, a really uh, great fresh start for him because I always viewed him as a pretty smart player who could pick up that role pretty well and be valuable. It just seemed that once he got in the doghouse, he was never getting back on the field. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. So I don't know how much you know of Tavon Wilson. He was on the lines, obviously, for a couple of years from 2016. Do you think he's an upgrade, similar, 
a downgrade from Tavon Wilson because that kind of seems like that could potentially be his role with the Detroit Lions. Maybe you know play that box hybrid role. Yeah, no, I think he could be good at it. Uh, I couldn't say as well as you about you know a comparison to Wilson yeah. exactly, but I, I really do think that there's a high ceiling there for Curse that he has not yet reached. And the times that we saw him play, I mean, you could look at you know, whether it's the PFF grades or go back and look at the film and see how he, uh, there was a game against San Francisco where he came in and played a lot of the hybrid role and was really good, including he had a blitz that ended up turning into a pick six for Mike Hughes. And there was last year where Hughes and uh, Mackenzie Alexander were both hurt. He had to start at nickel corner for a guy that's six foot four was starting in nickel corner against the Packers. And he did a great job in that game. Wow. So, you know, that's one to go back and look at uh, for, for the Lions fans there, because that's a very difficult role to just jump into. And he did right. really well with it. So, you know, I've, I've always thought, and I wrote a couple of times that there's more potential there for curse. It's just, you know, he didn't get the opportunities, which seemed like it was kind of a personality clash more than uh, being about what he could do on the field. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's actually pretty unique. So it's pretty awesome. All right. So, uh, like, from an outside perspective, not us, like, not us showing our bias, what are your thoughts on, like, the Lions offseason? And do you think they could compete within the division? Well, I definitely do. Yeah, the, the big question here to me, and every time I talk about it on my podcast, I always say, the Lions have everything that you would check off boxes of worst to first teams. They have a quarterback who was hurt the year before, so a high right. draft pick. They have uh, some very interesting signings on the defensive side to try and bolster that roster up, a defense that's been poor for a couple of years that's sort of bound to, to get better and improve, and a you know, quarterback who is capable of having a Pro Bowl type of season, and, and, and weapons, too. I mean, the, the Swift draft pick, I think, was a great one for where they got him. Um, if that had been, you know, a first rounder, I might have said you overdrafted, but yeah. you know, best running back probably in the draft um, and, and you get him there to go along with Marvin Jones, who just rips up the Vikings every time they face him. And I, I think is the most underrated receiver in the league. I so agree. you got, you got, and, and a rookie from last year in Hawkinson who was hurt and could take a big step forward. So all those things are like the checklist that you go down. The thing that always holds me back is the coaching. And it just there is nothing to be impressed about over the first two years. You go from an offense that was, you know, really good in, in 2017, but a poor defense. So you think, oh, okay, just fix the defense, get this defensive guy. But there, there has no been fixing of the defense uh, so far. So I, even though I think that the roster is better, um, and they have a, a roster that could easily be capable of winning the NFC North, I just don't trust Matt Patricia yet. That's fair. That's, That's fair. fair. <laughs> That's fair. And I'm kind of on the same boat with you. So if you had to rank the NFC North from first to fourth, what would you go with? Well, you know, I still think that even though the Packers had a hysterically bad draft and it was, I mean, it was like if you were doing your, your Madden draft and you just put it on auto or something and then you looked <laughs> and went like, wait, who did it draft for me? A running back? Um, so, but usually like the year's draft is not something that really determines what your team is going to do. Usually that kind of hits you a couple of years down the road. Um, so I think that they're probably not a 13 and three team again, by any means, they will, um, not steal another win from Detroit in say the, the fashion that they did last year, uh, two wins really. Um, but, uh, you know, could they win 10 or 11 with Aaron Rodgers still? I mean, 
he might be a washed version of what he used to be, but he's still probably a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. So right. you know, you've got that. Their defense is legit. Zadarius Smith's one of the best players in the entire NFL. He dominated the Vikings last year, and they've really rebuilt that thing. I would still put the Packers as the favorites and the Vikings right behind, then probably Detroit and then Chicago last. But if you told me that Detroit went 10-6 and six and the Vikings went 8-8 eight and eight or switch those two around, I would believe you either way because there are so many question marks um, on the Vikings defense and reasons to think that Detroit can take that next step. Yeah, that's actually the guy we had last time, Packers perspective. He had the same order, I believe. I believe it was Packers, Vikings, Lions. And we all agreed the Bears suck, so they're fourth. <laughs> so, um, um, yeah. Uh, do you have any questions, Beer? Yeah, so, like, this was a Twitter debate between Lions and the Vikings fans. I just want to see your debate. I know. Where Kirk, this is Cousins, <laughs> Kirk Cousins or Matthew Stafford, who's better? I think Matt Stafford, uh, but it's it's interesting that they're very similar in where you would rank them on a year-to-year basis. Like any year of their career, you're probably saying like maybe they're between the 10th and 12th best quarterback in the league. In a great year, either one of them can be probably inside the top 10. With a poor situation, they're more like 15th, but it's for very different reasons. Like, you know, Stafford can be inaccurate and really frustrating at times where Cousins is almost always accurate, but has these games where he just gets sacked eight times. And, you know, I guess that that usually happens to Stafford in Minnesota, um, but you won't have the, the crowd to deal with this time. But, you know, Stafford, I think, has the, the higher ceiling because of his pure arm talent and his athleticism. I mean, you just with Cousins, you get frustrated because he won't move off of his spot. He'll drop back to exactly where he's supposed to drop back for, and he will stop there, and he will stay. And if you can pressure the quarterback, it's going to be a big problem for him. Um, so he's got kind of that that kryptonite to his game, even though he's very talented. Where with Stafford, he can run around. He can make crazy throws. He's got a, a really, really excellent arm and uh, makes more, more big-time throws, I think, than Kirk Cousins does. So even though I would rank them very similarly – they're different, and I would probably lean toward the guy who's more of a gunslinger than somebody who's more of a pure execution type of quarterback. I got you, and I respect it. Yep. All right, guys, that is going to wrap up episode 105 of the Pride Podcast. Matt, I appreciate you so much for joining us, and where could they find you on Twitter or if you have Instagram or any social media platform? Yep, uh, I am at Matthew Collar, that is C-O-L-L-E-R on Twitter. You can also follow the Purple Insider Twitter account, it's just Purple underscore Insider, and listen to the Purple Insider podcast if you want to, I don't know, get behind enemy lines, get the uh, Minnesota Vikings perspective anytime. Just search anywhere you get your podcast, Purple Insider, you can find it there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Definitely recommend listening to that. Like I mentioned, he's on the Blue Wire Network as well. So always got to give him a nice little shout out. But again, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. It was awesome. And it was great talking to you, man. And yeah, I'm out. Thanks for having me.